0: Well, several weeks ago, uh, during one of our Sunday morning services, I began to sing out about hope. And I began singing the words, Hope sings its song to me, and I can't help but believe. It's singing a melody, it's washing right over me. And later on that week, I began dwelling on those words and what that really meant. I had never thought about hope singing to me, but I was reminded of this quote, and the quote is, the song of the nightingale is heard well after dark, when most other birds have ceased to sing. In the dark night of the soul, keep singing. And obviously that Sunday morning as I sang out, I wasn't thinking about that quote. But the next part that I began to sing was, out of the dark, from the depths of my soul, hope rises up saying, don't you let go. The waves and the wind still know my voice, It's time to praise. It's time to rejoice. And the song really gripped me and stuck with me over the past several weeks. It's very easy to grow weary in the waiting. But just one spark of hope is all it takes to start believing and expecting again. And that spark was renewed in me after singing out that song. We know that Jesus is a living hope, And Zephaniah 3 tells us that God sings and rejoices over his people. And at one point during that prophetic song on Sunday, instead of singing, hope is singing, I began saying, Jesus is singing. We know that Jesus is our hope, and so he was and is singing that song over us. Scripture consistently tells us that our hope is in Jesus. Paul writes about setting our hope on God and on Christ. And Romans 5.5 says that hope does not disappoint us. In Romans 8, Paul speaks of waiting with eager expectation. And in a passage about the confidence we can have in God's promises, Hebrews 6.18 and 19 mentions taking refuge by seizing the sure anchor of hope that is set before us. We have a hope, and the hope we have in Jesus is an anchor to our soul. And so that means that hope doesn't float on the surface of your situation but it gets down to the bottom and it holds on tight. Paul talks in chapter 8 about the nature of hope. Romans 8:22 through 25 says, "For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves" eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope, for why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Verse 24 uses the word hope, and the word hope in this text is the word elpis. It means a desire for some future good with the expectation of obtaining it. Hope is confident expectancy. Hope in scripture is not the world's definition. The world defines hope as just wishing something would happen. The world's definition says, I hope this will happen, but I don't really know if it will. But biblical hope is different. Biblical hope is the looking forward to something with absolute confidence expecting fulfillment. When we're tempted to be downcast by our circumstances, We can gain heaven's perspective by looking up to God and being filled with the kind of hope that can only come from Him. Verse 25 says, if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. And I know it's very basic, but we're not hoping for what we already see. We hope for what we do not see. And the word we hope is the word piso, which means to look forward with confidence to that which is good and beneficial. The present tense of this word pictures this attitude as the believer's lifestyle. It's one of hope. Hope is defined as the absolute assurance that God will do good to us and for us in the future. W.E. Vine writes that, it is not merely a trust in God, but it's a hope that rests upon him. We have a certain hope that rests in our God that even though we don't yet see what we're hoping for, we have a certainty, and it should prompt a specific attitude and a behavior within us. An attitude that says, I know in whom I believe, and my hope rests in Him. Eagerly waiting means waiting in great anticipation and waiting with patience to expect fully. Oftentimes we say things like, I'm just going to wait it out, or I'm going to wait this out with patience. And a person with this kind of hope can persevere or bear up under whatever their circumstance is because they have a fixed confidence that knows what is coming. And it's this kind of biblical hope that allows me to declare with confidence Philippians 1.6 that says, There has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish. Hope is the proper response to the promises of God. I have walked under the overwhelming weight of dark moments, yet somehow in the midst of the darkness, I was able to let hope in. Just like light that slips through the crack of a door into a darkened room, hope seeped into my heart and soul. And I believe that is a picture of hope singing over us. Hope overwhelms the darkness. To not hope, to not trust, to not believe simply wasn't and isn't an option for me because I have an established history with my king. I have firsthand knowledge of his goodness. Psalm 27, 13, and 14, which you would think that Holy Spirit orchestrated this morning because the verse is, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. David is the one who penned these verses in Psalms. They were written by a man who demonstrated a living faith in the living God. He had an assurance that no matter what difficulties and dangers stalked his path, God would come to rescue him. And he simply had to wait confidently for the Lord to act. Be strong, he wrote, and let your heart take courage and wait for the Lord. David, who killed the great giant Goliath and who was honored as one that slew his tens of thousands, admits that without trust in his God, his heart would faint and he would despair. Hope in his God was to David a soothing ointment that eased his flagging spirit. It became a refreshing heavenly hope that ministered to his mind, calmed his emotions, and revitalized his fainting heart. David determined in his heart that even if a host encamped against him, his heart would not fear. If war broke out against him and his enemies tried to devour him, his confidence in God would stand fast. The eye of faith is to see beyond the visible and to discern the invisible. It is to maintain an unswerving assurance that the promises of God are all yes and amen in Christ Jesus. It is to trust the Lord our God with all our heart for things which we have hoped for. And it is the evidence of the reality of things that can only be seen with the eye of faith. This verse in Psalm about seeing the goodness of God in the land of the living reminds me of Isaiah 119, which has a special place in my heart. It says, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. This is a verse that became a prophetic declaration over our youngest son, Jaden. When Jaden experienced his stroke, one of the complications that arose was that he lost his ability to swallow. It was devastating to him because he could no longer eat, he could no longer drink, and his nutrition was coming from a feeding tube. And so we posted this scripture in his hospital room, and we just changed it slightly to say, you, Jaden, shall eat the good of this land. And this became a daily, often multiple times a day, decree over Jaden. I would say, you will eat the good of this land, and I would say to him, you can swallow, and he would repeat back to me, I can swallow. And every time he suctioned his mouth out because he couldn't swallow, I would just decree it again. And six days after we had been decreeing this scripture from Isaiah, Jaden swallowed. And amen, yes. (laughs) It is because of knowing that I am a child of God that I was able to let hope in to the darkest of situations. Those who believe in God are to be filled with hope. We're not to be filled with fear, doubt, anxiousness, or worry. And we don't have to be afraid to hope because when our hope is in Jesus, it does not disappoint. You can't control most things, but you can control the most important things, like where you anchor your trust and where you anchor your heart. Let hope into your situation and into your lives, whatever you may be facing. Romans 15:13 says, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in your faith. That by the power of the holy spirit your whole life and outlook may be radiant with hope when you are facing dark times or troubled situations how do you choose to let hope in how can you allow an expectation to rise up in you like the song out of the dark from the depths of our souls how do we let hope rise up i believe that one way is to not let go of god's presence hold on to the truths that God reveals to you. That quote that says, don't doubt in the dark what God showed you in the light. Hold on to what God places in your hands and at the right time, release it. Because ordinary things become extraordinary in the presence of our King. When Jaden had his stroke, what God gave me for him was very simple, a few scriptures, And some words to decree over and over, expect God and you will eat the good of this land. But because these words came from being in God's presence and it was his truth, it became extraordinary. The words became powerful and they spoke life and they spoke healing. When Moses held the staff, slaves stepped into freedom. There was nothing special about the staff until God told Moses to use it and it became extraordinary. When Joshua held the javelin, the children of Israel took possession of the promise. When David held five ordinary stones and a slingshot, a giant was slayed. When Gideon and his men held the torches and trumpets, the enemy was defeated. Ordinary things become extraordinary in God's presence. Don't let go of his presence. Another way to allow hope and expectation to rise up in you is to know God by name. I remember clearly the Lord speaking this to me many years ago. I was driving around in my car and I was just listening to some worship music. And I heard the Lord say, I want you to know me by name. And I was a little confused at first because I thought, I do know you. You know, you're God, Lord, Jesus, Holy Spirit. And he said to me, yes, those are my names, but what do you call me? How do you know me? And so I began began studying out the life of David. He's someone that I study often. And David finally became king at the age of 30. After years of literally running for his life and hiding in caves, he was recognized as king. But his days of struggle weren't over. His next obstacle was the most fortified city in the land. David needed to conquer Jerusalem and defeat the Philistines. I think many things must have confused David over his years of running and hiding, but 2 Samuel 5.12 says, David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel and had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. The first words there say David knew. You may be going through a confusing time, You may not know how God is going to use a situation in your life or why certain things have happened to you, but you can encourage and strengthen yourself by remembering what you do know about God in the midst of uncertainties. I love this quote by Christine Kane that says, replace what you don't know about the future with what you do know about God. David would never know for sure why certain events happened in his life, but he knew God had done exactly what he promised. In confusing times, recounting what we know refreshes us. In Psalm 144, one through two, David calls God by names he knew. He says, praise be to the Lord my rock, who trains my hands for war, my fingers for battle. He is my loving God and fortress, my stronghold and deliverer, my shield in whom I take refuge, who subdues people under me. For all of David's needs, his God had a name, and we too can know God by a name for every need. The names David called his God fell from the lips of experience, from things that he knew. Sometimes we stand to learn the most about God from situations we understand the least. So I began exploring and studying the names of God, and who I know him to be and I started to write my own verses like David declaring who I know God to be to me and I have added and I continue adding to these verses here's just a small portion of what I have praise be to my God and King who comforts, heals, and sustains me the God who causes stroke symptoms to vanish the God who healed my barrenness and opened my womb, the God who perfects irregular heart rhythms, the God who reveals, the God who restores, the God who redeems, my rock, my source, my strength, my peace, my hope, my joy, my everything, my breath, my dance, the one who hears my cry. And I could go on and on. Who is God to you? What names do you know him by? You will be infused with hope and trust when you call on God and know him by name. A people after God's heart keep a constant spirit of hope. He is the God who makes ways when there seems to be no way. He makes the impossible possible. A few years ago when our family was walking through a difficult situation, Holy Spirit said this to me, he said, do not give false power to present circumstances. And I began to really ponder that statement. He was telling me the power I was handing over about that circumstance was in the wrong hands. So my next thought was obviously the power for whatever I'm facing is in God's hands. So I wrote out this statement and I said, I will not give false power, which is control authority or influence to present circumstances. I will instead decree the power or the capacity, aptitude, authority, mighty, or wonderful works of God. Our present circumstances don't define our future. And that's one reason why you can't give the power over to current situations. The situation doesn't hold the power. God does as long as we give it to him. Renew your mind to see the good, the hope. Remind yourself of who God is and that he alone holds the power. Ephesians 119 says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power? God holds the whole ocean in his hand, and he created the land on which we stand and walk, That same power is available to us today. God is the power that created the heavens and the earth. When he said, let there be light, the light came to the earth and he created day and night. We see in Exodus 14.21 that God parted the Red Sea. In Joshua 6.20, he made the walls of Jericho fall without a single blow joshua 10 13 tells us that even the sun and the moon have to stand still at his command god is infinitely great isaiah 40 28 through 29 says have you not known have you not heard the everlasting god the lord the creator of the ends of the earth neither faints nor is weary his understanding is unsearchable he gives power to the weak And to those who have no might, he increases strength. So that means that this same power, the same tremendous power that parted the Red Sea in a moment is available now to you and to me. As I was studying for this message today and I came to this part about the Red Sea, Holy Spirit instantly spoke something to me and I'm just going to stop right here and declare it. He said, once again, I'm going to dry up the sea and make a way for your crossing. And I believe that's not just a word for me, but that's a word for the body of Christ. It's a word for his ecclesia, that he is parting the waters, he's making a way, and we're crossing over into new territory. So I just say right now, in Jesus' name, so be it. God, part the waters, make the way, I declare that we're crossing over into the new, in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> amen. Um, the Bible says that the faith of any believer should not be founded in religious reasoning, but on the power of God, 1 Corinthians 2.5. My message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. We can discuss and we can reason all our life, but when the power of God touches and transforms us, then we know with every part of our being that God is real, that he loves us, and that he wants to heal and save us. We must lay hold of faith in God's power in our personal lives. This power is strong enough to set us free from sin and bring us into a life of abiding in the will of God. And this is what gives us a future and a hope. Faith in God's power allows us to let go and instead let him. He who has all power over heaven and earth, God's power is exceedingly great. Jesus didn't bring a nice, weak religion to the earth. He brought the powerful reality of the atmosphere of God called the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, Evil is destroyed, sickness is overcome, death is defeated, and life flows in abundance. There are two concepts that I want to emphasize in understanding about the power of God. One is that his power is unique, meaning that God can do what no one else can do. One example of this is seen in creation. Isaiah forty four twenty four says, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, and he who formed you from the womb. I am the Lord who makes all things, who stretches out the heavens all alone, no one else helped him, who spreads abroad the earth by myself. The uniqueness of God, no one can do what he can do and no one helped him do it. Isaiah 45, five through seven says, I am the Lord and there is no other. There is no God besides me. I will gird you though you have not known me That they may know from the rising of the sun to its setting that there is none besides me i am the lord and there is no other i form the light and create darkness i make peace and create calamity i the lord do all these things for thus says the lord who created the heavens who is god who formed the earth and made it who has established it who did not create it in vain who formed it to be inhabited i am the lord and there is no other On and on it goes, and he's saying, there is no one like me who can be compared with me. The power of God is unique. The second aspect of his power is that it is unlimited. There is nothing too hard for God to do. Psalm 145, 3 through 7 says, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. They shall talk of your powerful acts. They shall talk of your power. God's power is unlimited, and there's nothing too hard for him to do. You can see the unlimited power of God in the very first book of the Bible, After the story of creation is when we see the story of Abraham and Sarah. God brings his enormous power of creation down to the human level and shows us what he can do in our own lives and our experiences. We know the story very well. When Sarah was 89 and Abraham was 99, they were told they were going to have a child. Genesis 18 tells us that Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, And Sarah was long past the age of having children. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year and Sarah will have a son. It's the Lord himself who said, is there anything too hard for me? I wonder how you or I would respond if the Lord came right up to us and looked us straight in the eyes and said, is there anything too hard for me to do? You see, we can talk about the unlimited power of God, and we can say, yes, there's nothing too hard for you to do. But the fact is that a lot of us question his power at times, especially in a crisis or in a difficult time. A time when we need help and it does not seem to be coming like we think it should. Or we've prayed and there doesn't seem to have been an answer. And we think, where is the power of God? And I think this morning God would look you straight in the eye and just say, is there anything too hard for me to do? Do you believe the circumstance you may find yourself in today is too hard for God, the maker of the heavens? the creator of the seas, the one who formed you and knows your end from the beginning. His power is unique and his power is unlimited. There is absolutely nothing too hard for him. Hebrews 11, 1 says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Faith is the confidence that enables us to feel and act as if it were real. As long as the faith continues, it gives all the force of reality to what is believed. We may not see God or heaven or the angels, but we have faith in them and this leads us to act as if we saw them. Amos 4.13 says, He who forms the mountains creates the wind and reveals his thoughts to man. He who turns dawn to darkness and treads the high places of the earth, the Lord God Almighty is his name. That's another name to know him by. The verse tells us who God is. He is a creator. But God is not a creator in the past alone. Amos 4 tells us that God is a continual worker. Often, wind means the Holy Spirit in scripture. But in this verse, it simply means the wind. I know it's very profound. You might want to jot that down. (laughs) God is the omnipotent maker of things seen, such as the stupendous mountains, and of things too subtle to be seen, like the wind. Amos 4.13, the message version says, Look who's here, mountain shaper, wind maker. He laid out the whole plot before Adam, he brings everything out of nothing like dawn out of darkness. He strides across the alpine ridges. His name is God, God of the angel armies. It says he brings everything out of nothing. So, this tells me that out of hopelessness, he's going to cause hope to rise up. Out of barrenness, he's going to cause life to spring forth. He is the wind maker creating and doing things too subtle to be seen, but powerful. And how powerful can the wind be? We all know what hurricane strength winds can do. You can't see the wind, but you can certainly see the effect of it. In the wind means about to happen. Wind means to turn the course of, especially to lead a person as one wishes. And this right here is what I'm believing He is the wind maker. It may be subtle, you may not see it yet, but it is about to happen. God absolutely takes what the enemy means for harm and turns it for good. Some of you may be going through a season right now that isn't good. It could be finances, health, marriages, friendships, your future looks hopeless to you. But God can make something good out of it if you'll give him the pieces. If you'll turn it over to his hands, to the one who has the power. As you look at your situation, you may not see much beauty, but remember that God makes everything beautiful in his time. I have been through times of suffering where I certainly didn't see much beauty in them. But after after some time had passed, God's purposes were fulfilled and the true beauty of the experience was revealed. I think about Joseph in the book of Genesis. He was sold as a slave by his brothers. He was forced to do a servant's work in Egypt. He was thrown into prison because of a vicious lie. It seems such an ugly, hopeless picture. But God was at work, and ultimately the beauty of the whole picture was revealed. And then Joseph was able to say to his brothers in Genesis 50:20, you meant it to me for e- evil, but God meant it for good. God made Joseph's experiences beautiful in their time. If you are in the will of God, no matter how dark your situation may be, remember this, God has a plan, God has a time, and God will make everything beautiful. He will turn things for good. God is so gracious. He extends grace upon grace. He lets me vent, he lets me get frustrated, but then he reminds me of who he is. He always brings me back to his goodness, to his faithfulness. He always causes hope to rise up inside of me. He reminds me of redemptive moments in my life, of times that weren't wasted, of how his intentions for me are good. So I'm gonna share some quick examples again today Because every time we testify what Jesus has done in our lives, we prophesy that he can do it again for someone else. So just let it stir up your hope and your faith this morning. But here are some things that I can say. I can say by the power of God, I can testify that a hemangioma, which is like a birthmark on our daughter's ear, was instantly healed when she was prayed over. It was about to cause damage. It could cause potential hearing loss. She was prayed over and it instantly disappeared and went away. I can say he healed my barrenness and produced life. Our son Jude was born perfect and healthy after I had experienced five losses prior. Our daughter Lily has had many things in her restored and made new. Our son Jaden almost died, but by his stripes, he's alive. I've seen his grace. I've seen his mercy. I've seen his healing power fall. I know that he heals. I know that he restores. I know that he makes a way when there seems to be no way. What seems impossible to us is never impossible with God. So as we think back, and we reflect and remember and testify all that he has done, that's when our hope and our expectation grows. Let hope into your situation and into your lives, whatever you may be facing. He doesn't leave. He doesn't forsake. He's with us every step of the way. God has redemptive plans in place for each one of us. I'd like to ask the worship team to go ahead and come up. God restores, God makes new, God makes things beautiful. Romans twelve twelve says, let the hope burst forth within you, releasing a continual joy. Don't give up in times of trouble, but commune with God at all times. The waves and the wind still know his voice. It's time to praise. It's time to rejoice. I am in alert expectancy. Knowing that there is more to come and I will never give up hope for I know that hope does not disappoint My hope is in him and he is always good. I know that he's the same yesterday today and forever I know in whom I believe and he is faithful. He keeps his promises. He is always always good Amen. Go ahead and stand with me I want us to seal this word in our hearts today just by decreeing through song. And as we sing this, I want you to think about moments in your life that have been redeemed and maybe even situations where you're still waiting for God's intended good. And start declaring his goodness and his power into your life, into your situation, into your days, into your moments. I truly believe he's parting the waters, he's making a way, and we're crossing into new territory. So let hope arise, let hope sing over us this morning. God, we honor you, we bless you, we exalt you, Jesus.